So this is the third week in this series of messages about uh, having confidence in uncertain times. First week we looked out of uh, Hebrews chapter 12 and talked about uh, we focus our eyes on Jesus. And that's where our faith should be, that we focus our eyes on Jesus. Last week we talked about in these uncertain times that sometimes we as believers, followers after Christ, that we stumble into sin, we fall, and that we should claim uh, the forgiving and the restoring grace that God has for us uh, when we confess that sin and acknowledge that sin before God and repent of that sin, uh, then we can be restored. And sometimes that's one of the great uncertainties that we have in life. When believers sin, they wonder, well, does God still love me? Am I, am I still a believer? Does God still care about me? And yes, so that, that kind of hopefully addressed that. So today, we're reminded that uh, one of the best things you can do in, in uh, uncertain times is to pray. We should always be praying as the Apostle Paul encouraged us to do, to pray uh, unceasingly, to pray without stopping. Uh, But certainly in uncertain times we need to pray, and especially uh, we need to know that we can pray with confidence. Now prayer is one of those great privileges that God has given to us to be able to communicate with Him personally. And that means that we can talk with God uh, with the assurance that He hears our prayers that he knows our fears, he knows our needs, our concerns, and he answers our prayers. So it's up to us then to use that power that God has given to us in prayer. And we've got a, a quick video for you to watch about the powers in your hands. And of course what that video stresses is that actually the power in prayer is the God who hears and answers our prayers. But we have uh, that untapped potential about the power of prayer in our hands to offer that prayer. And if we don't do that, then we miss out on that and and the power of prayer goes unused. So what gives us confidence then in the fact that we can pray and have confidence no matter what the circumstances are? What gives us the confidence in that? I think it's because of what the Bible tells us, at least for me, about the, the promises that God gives to us about our prayer and how he hears and how he responds. In Jeremiah 33, 3, God says, call to me. And I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. And that's a great assurance. In uncertain times, there are things we don't know. And we call to God and he answers us. Matthew 6, 6, Jesus says, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And then in Mark 11, chapter, chapter 11, verse 24, and Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And so there's that twofold process of faith that we pray, believing, and God hears, and he grants. Then in Matthew 21, 22, Jesus said, If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. That's in accordance with God's will and, and uh, the way that God moves and acts in the world. Then I like this one really tremendously, Isaiah 65, 24. And this is what God says. He says, Before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. You get the significance of that? God says, Before you call on me, I will answer. And while you are still speaking, I will hear. Uh, I read this week that Amazon, uh, you know, the great on- online uh, 
shopping place where a lot of us, I'm sure, have been doing some buying, especially during Christmas season, have now requested a patent on a strategy that they have developed called anticipatory shipping. And that is that based on the pattern of shoppers like you and like me, they anticipate what we will buy next. And so they send those items out to their shipping hubs. And when you place the order, then they can get it to you even quicker. Well, I don't know if they should, uh, they might get the patent for it here. But I think God is the one who has the patent on that. Because he says here, before they call, I will answer. And while they are speaking, I will hear. That's not anticipatory shipping on his part. That's the fact that he is the sovereign God who knows all about us, knows our cares, knows our concerns, knows what we need and how, what we're going to ask. And so he is well aware of that. Now here, I want you to l- listen to the last uh, scripture I want to give us about finding confidence in prayer because for me this is really the one that summarizes all of our confidence about prayer in this. And it comes from Hebrews chapter 4, 14 through 16. And the writer of Hebrews encourages us to pray by saying this, Therefore, since we have such a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we possess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. There's our key word for praying with confidence. So that you may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. That is great encouragement there uh, to have confidence in our prayer life. And they remind us to us about why we can have confidence and it's in prayer and it's all because of Jesus Christ. So Jesus is the right person to hear our prayers. The Bible tells us that Jesus came to earth. He died for our sins. He was brought back from, from the dead. He was resurrected by God. And that now he is seated at the right hand of God the Father and there he makes intercession for us. That simply means that, that Jesus has been exalted back into his place in heaven. He's seated beside God the Father. And when it says he makes intercession for us, that means he prays for us. Then we're reminded in this passage of scripture that Jesus was tempted as you and I are in every way. Now, right after his baptism, before he began his public ministry, he was driven into the wilderness. And for 40 days of fasting, he was tempted. And Satan came to him in three powerful ways. And Jesus went through the same temptations that you and I do. Everybody does. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. But he did not sin because he was God in the flesh. And he had power over that. And then we trust in Jesus and have confidence to we pray because Jesus uh, and the throne of God's justice is now a throne of grace because of what Jesus did for us. And we can come to that throne of grace and, and offer up our concerns and our cares and all that, that we need to offer up to God. And so we can pray with confidence because of who God is. He's powerful. He hears our prayers. He's at work in this world, always at work in this world. He never leaves us on our own. He's always there with us and he always hears our prayers. He reminds us that evil will not have its final say over us. You know, the gates of Hades we've already sung about will will not prevail against the kingdom. He is the God who sees everything and knows everything. He promises he will not forget us. He opens prison doors and sets captives free. So what do we pray for then in these uncertain times? Well, there are many different patterns in the Bible where we're given 
uh, examples of prayer and what we could pray for and what we should pray for. And there are many different things that we could list, probably a long laundry list of things to pray about in these uncertain times. But I was driven to Second uh, Thessalonians. First uh, and Second Thessalonians are becoming very popular with me. I used to say Philippians, if you had to pin me down, what's your favorite book in the Bible would be Philippians, because um, I think it was a great warm love relationship that the Apostle Paul had with his church that he established. And then there's so many beautiful scriptures that he gives to us that containing promises in the book of Philippians. But really asking me, what's your favorite book in the Bible is asking me, like, who's your favorite child or which one is your favorite grandchild? Some of them kind of fight for that position and ask me that, trying to get me caught, you know. But I've really been drawn to First and Second Thessalonians because there's some interesting things there. When you go to the first chapter of Thessalonians, Paul reminds them that when he preached the gospel, they heard it, they left the life of idolatry, and they professed faith in Christ. And not only did they do that to profess faith for themselves, but then he says, the gospel rang forth from you. And everybody has been hearing that. And what, to me, that's the exciting thing. When you hear the gospel, you receive the gospel, then you ought to be a church that's letting the gospel ring forth from you. And this was also a church that was going through some times of uncertainty. They were living under the domination of the Roman Empire. You know, there was fear for whatever the, the, uh, the Caesar might do at any moment and demand of them. More taxes, you know, or being called into service of some sort and doing more for the government. Uh, it was a tough time to be a believer. Some of them uh, were believers at the, at the threat of losing their job and others at losing their life. And then there was a great concern that they had because somebody had said to them somewhere along the way, you know, you've missed it, guys. The resurrection of Jesus has taken place and his return has already taken place as well. And you've been left behind. And so they began to write Paul or ask Paul, what's the answer to this? And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we have that great resurrection chapter that he writes. So I really like First and Second Thessalonians. And in the third chapter of Second Thessalonians, when we find Paul asking for them to pray for him, he's asking them to intercede on his behalf. I think we find in there a pattern for what we can pray for in uncertain times because Paul was facing uncertain times. So listen to what he asked them to pray. And then we'll put it in our relationship in just a moment. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For not everyone has faith. But the Lord is faithful. And he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence. There's that confidence in prayer. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. Now, as Paul gave that request for them to pray for him, intercessory prayer, I think we find in here four things that, that are also a pattern for us to pray uh, as we go through these times of uncertainty. And with the assurance we've already talked about, about God hearing and answering our prayers and about coming boldly to the throne of grace, we can pray with these prayers with confidence. Now, here's the first one. Paul says, pray for God's message to spread. Paul said, pray for us that the message of the Lord will spread rapidly and be honored. See, Paul was, was one who was out and about always proclaiming the kingdom of God and sharing the good news. And the result was everywhere he went. 
who shared the gospel, and people would hear the good news, as they did here uh, among the Thessalonians, and they would respond. So Paul asked the believers to pray specifically uh, that he would continue to spread the good news. The language there literally means to pray that God's word will keep running ahead. And so we want to keep running ahead with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you think through the history of Christianity, uh, it's really a marvelous story. I mean, we're told that it will work this way in the Bible, but still we've got to sit back and think, you know, this is a miraculous story. Just think how God's word has spread around the world over the last 2,000 years. See, after the resurrection of Jesus, there were only 11 disciples, and they were scared out of their wits. They faced uncertain times. Then on the day of Pentecost, as they were praying, they had risen to where they had 120 people who were gathered together. Then when Peter preached his great sermon at Pentecost, and the power of God was unleashed, 3,000 people were saved. And then immediately after that, we're told that 5,000 believers were added to the church. So how was was that continued to spread? Well, the church is growing rapidly around the world. Uh, today we have somewhere, it depends upon whose research you read, about 2 billion believers in Jesus Christ. And that's great. The only problem is we got between 7 and 8 billion people on the face of the earth. There are still people who need to hear. We still need to proclaim the message of God's word. You see, there are people, tr- people groups who have yet to hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ. No one has sat down yet with them, gotten to them, and shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are people groups in whose language the Bible has not yet been translated for them, and they can't pick up a Bible and read it like you and I can. So we say if the gospel is is spreading so rapidly and and Christians are coming to know the Lord at at a fast rate, what's happening here in America? Well, we have to admit the fact that in America we basically are post christian We have been infiltrated with so many things and been indoctrinated with so many things that tell us we have to be tolerant and learn to coexist and and we have just not shared the gospel and lived the gospel as we should. And the basic growth, like, like a forest fire of Christianity, is taking place primarily in Africa and Asia. Let me give you some statistics about that. At the beginning of the 20th century, there were only about 10% of Africans who were Christians. Today it's around 50%. At the beginning of the 20th century, there were about 50,000 Christians in China. Today, there are 160 million believers in Jesus Christ. At the beginning of the 20th century, only 2% of Koreans were Christians. Today, in South Korea, 45% of the population follows Jesus. That's a much higher percentage than here in the United States. You know, we need to realize in this country that we need to share the gospel of Jesus Christ like never before. And we need to take the gospel message of Jesus Christ with great confidence and boldness. And we need to pray that the gospel message will spread around the world. Second thing we need to pray for is we need to pray for protection from evil. Paul was not above asking for protection, praying for that, that people would pray for him to be protected in his ministry. And he had good reason to pray for that. Paul said, pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people, for not everyone has faith. And see, that's another reinforcement of why we need to pray that the word of God would spread rapidly, because not everyone has faith. Paul says, pray for my protection, because not everyone has faith. We know the life of Paul, or something about it anyway. We know he was beaten, he was stoned, he was shipwrecked. And later there was a time where 
uh, in Acts chapter 23, we're told uh, that 40 men so hated Paul that they took an oath that they would not eat or drink until they had put Paul to death. Paul wrote many of his letters from prison. He wrote to the Philippians that their prayers, along with the help of Jesus, uh, would spread the gospel, and he asked for that protection. In, in, the, in this model prayer here that we have heard today, uh, Jesus taught us to pray and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And we probably learned it best in King James when we pray, deliver us from evil. And it's a reminder to us that there is a being out there, a spiritual being named Satan, who is dead set on opposing God and everyone uh, that, and everything that is holy. According to uh, the Crux magazine, which is the Sunday religion magazine published by the Boston Globe, a Christian is martyred every hour, every day. In some places that is even accelerated. A Christian is martyred every hour of every day. That's why we need to pray for the protection of those who live the Christian life, particularly in these countries that are so threatening. And we need to pray for their safety and protection. As Southern Baptists, uh, we support about 5,000 full-time missionaries overseas. Almost 50% of them are now in countries that we call closed countries. That is, they're closed to the gospel. So our missionaries go in, not as missionaries, but they go in undercover as teachers and business people and doctors, and, and they go about sharing Christ in the, in the real-life situations. And I think we have to realize that over the last 15, 20, 30, 40 years or whatever, there's been a growing animosity towards the Christian church and the message of Jesus Christ in our country today. And there are groups that are trying to muzzle the church through court systems. And it's a reminder to us that we are in spiritual warfare. And we need to be in prayer for people everywhere who are persecuted for their faith. We need to pray for their safety and for the safety of everyone in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then there's the third thing that Paul encourages us to pray. He says, pray for hearts to overflow with God's love. See, Paul not only asked them to pray specifically for him, but he prayed specifically for them, and he said, may the Lord direct your hearts into God's love. You know, it's great to tell somebody that you're praying for them, but don't you think it's even greater to tell them what you're praying for them? I don't know how many times in almost 40 years of pastoral ministry I've been in a prayer gathering setting, and somebody's name has come up, and people have prayed, and they've said, Lord, God, just be with them. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know, Jesus calls us to be a little more direct and specific than that. And if I read my Bible correctly, especially in, in Psalm 139, we're reminded there that God is everywhere at one time. And no matter where you are, God is there with you. For you just to simply to pray, God, be with them, that's redundant. He's already there. Why don't you broaden that prayer and say, God, since you are there with them and they're going through this time of crisis, I pray that you will give them the strength to undergo this. I pray that you will give them the wisdom and the insight to understand what you're doing in their life. I pray that you will bring people into their life to encourage them and support them during this time. You see, isn't that more profound prayer? And if somebody were praying that for you, don't you think that would have more meaning? Well, listen to what Paul is saying. He says, pray this. That the Lord may direct your hearts into God's love. He was specific about that. 
In his first letter, Paul prayed the same prayer for the believers, and he said, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else. That's a message for the church and for us as fellow believers. That in these uncertain times, let's keep the enemy out there. And let's don't bring the enemy in here. But let's love one another and focus upon one another with that love of God overflowing into our lives. And think about the most loving things that we can do and say for other believers. Uh, And some of you might be ready to go home and, and watch the two football games that are going to take place this afternoon. There might be others of you who have great animosity about that. It reminded me of reading about a lady who was shopping the other day. And um, when she went to pay for her item, she opened her purse and there was a TV remote control there. And the sales clerk said, do you generally carry your TV remote control around with you? And she said, no. But my husband refused to come shopping with me today because there are football games on all day. And she thought, she said, this was the meanest thing I thought I could do to him. So guys, I would say to you, before you sit down to watch the TV and watch the ball games today, make sure you got the remote, okay? Now, sometimes we think the way people treat us, that they're trying to think, what is the meanest thing I can do? And that should be the farthest thing from our mind, our thoughts, our intentions as believers. So there ought to be hearts overflowing with love for one another. If you know somebody that has a strange relationship with somebody else, you need to pray for them. And do everything you can to bring them together and help them to be reunited. And you need to always pray that God's love will enable us to withstand these uncertain times. And then here's the fourth thing that that Paul suggests that we pray for. And that is that we pray for believers to persevere in Christ. Pray for believers to persevere in Christ. Jesus told a parable about the seed that was sown beside the road and, and it fell on some of it hard, hard ground and couldn't penetrate it. Some that was kind of shallow and it would spring up quickly and then the sun would scorch it and all that. Uh, and then there was the good fertile ground. Some of it was filled with thorns and thistles and, and choked it out. But then there was the good fertile ground. And of course the seed then was able to come to full fruition. The Bible has many, many, many uh, references to people who gave up on the faith when times came that were tough and hard. And sometimes in these uncertain times, maybe you might begin to waver in your faith and say, well, what's it worth? I'm, you know, I, I'm still following Christ, and I still have these things that come in my life. Listen, you need to understand that becoming a believer in Jesus Christ is never the easy road. It's never the safe way. It does not exempt us from death, nor paying our taxes, nor from anything that might attack us. But it does guarantee us an eternal future in the kingdom of God. You know, believers still get sick. Believers still have to deal with persecution. And believers have personal issues they have to deal with. And sometimes in uncertain times, some people waver on their faith. Paul says that he was asking that may the Lord direct your hearts into Christ's perseverance. And what is that perseverance? We looked earlier in that, the first sermon in the series in Hebrews 12. That said, for the joy sat before him, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, Jesus went through all kind of ridicule. He went through the pain of the cross. But ultimately, he looked beyond all of that. And he saw the ultimate joy that would come out of it. And he persevered to the end. He wrestled in the garden 
with his will or God's will, but ultimately he surrendered to that. He persevered to the end. He did what God called him to do. He did what God sent him on to earth to do. And when we come to know Christ then, we've got to make a decision knowing that we're in this for the long run. And we've got to learn to persevere. This isn't a hundred yard dash that we're in, but it's a marathon. And, and we need that staying power in uncertain times. Because life isn't always going to be easy. And we've got to have that staying power, that perseverance like Christ had. And so in these uncertain times, and I encourage us today to pray. And to keep on praying. And to do so with confidence. Because we know who God is. He hears our prayers. He answers our prayers. And the Lord Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father where he is constantly interceding for us. And in the spiritual warfare in which we're engaged, prayer is a very, very powerful weapon. So we need to pray with confidence. Father, we thank you that uh, through the gift of Jesus Christ and where he is seated now, at your right hand making intercession for us, that we as believers today have the confidence that we can come into your presence and that we can pray knowing that you are the God who will hear our prayers and you have the power and ability and authority to answer our prayers. And that as we pray with confidence then, we are strengthened and encouraged in these uncertain times. And so, Father, we thank you for giving us this privilege. We thank you that we can come into your presence at any time. We thank you that we can dialogue personally with you and pour out our hearts. And, Father, I pray for this congregation and all who hear this, that they will be filled with encouragement to pray with confidence as we face these uncertain times. In Jesus' name, amen.